Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 14 is where we're going to be this morning. And this is what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. You, and, and, you have, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which we have all participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Beside this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Therefore, let your drooping hands and lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame might not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. This is the word of God. Thank you for coming. You can be seated. As you're being seated, please bow with me. I'd like to pray once again and ask the Father's help. Lord, I'm glad for every soul that you've brought here this morning, and I pray a blessing upon each soul. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through your word. What a blessing that would be for us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear and give us hearts to obey. Lord, I pray for those in this room that are struggling, that maybe 2023 really didn't go the way they wanted, maybe it didn't go well at all. Help them. Encourage them. Lift up their hands and lift up their eyes, Lord. Help them. Lord, and those who really are praising God for how, how well it's gone, Lord, please continue to help them to walk in that joy and thanksgiving, obeying you. And Lord, for those listening to my voice who don't know you yet, who do not know you, Lord, please draw them to yourself and save them. Lord, we love you. Speak to us, please, for your word this morning. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I was going to start the series on prayer uh, because we start the new year off with a, a sermon series on prayer because we want to focus rightly and start off rightly and so we refocus ourselves to focus on God rightly. But we're not in the new year yet. Instead, one more Sunday before. This is actually the very last day of this year. So I actually wanted to preach a sermon this morning about how to finish strong, how to finish strong in life in general, especially in the Christian life. So that's why I've titled it How to 
finish strong. The last day of the year, we're reminded of the fact that an entire year has once again gone by. It made me think about endings and finish lines, and so I wanted to preach on how we end the Christian life well. How do we get to the finish line of the Christian life well? How do we actually do it rightly? Sometimes we do fall away. Sometimes we do fall down even in this race. Sometimes we're not exactly where we want to be in the race. And it seems like, am I going to finish rightly? Am I going to finish well? There's a video that I've seen. I saw it in the past, but I brought it up again as I was thinking about the theme of racing for this sermon series, I mean, for this sermon today. And um, let me show you this video clip because it's really, it's an incredible video about this young lady who was in this race. And it's a 600-meter race. They have to go around the track a total of three times. They have to cross that line. And... It's like this in the Christian life too sometimes. We're going along fine, we're doing pretty well, and then sometimes something like this happens. And she totally face plants. And she's horribly behind. And she keeps going. You can see like a coach screaming from the sidelines there even. And she keeps racing. And then surprisingly, amazingly, she begins to catch up. And watch this. She won the race after having fallen flat on her face. She comes through and she wins at the very end. How do we do that in the Christian life? Because in the Christian life, we do fall, don't we? I've fallen. I've been disciplined by the Lord. And we can fall for different reasons. Sometimes um, we fall because of sin, like the author of Hebrews says, because we're really going to be looking at mostly what the author of Hebrews says about how to finish strong, because he's got a lot to say, not just in this section. We're going to cover other sections of Hebrews as well. But sometimes we fall because of our own sin. And that's what he was talking about, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. You're not disciplined if you haven't done something wrong, correct? So sometimes it's our own sin that causes us to fall and stumble. Sometimes it's laziness that causes us to really not be as far ahead as we should be. And even laziness can be a sin. But like the author of Hebrews says in in, um, chapter 5, verses 11 through 14, when he begins talking about the the high priestly nature of Christ. And then he says this. So look at chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. He says about these people at this point. He says, about this we have much to say. He's talking about Jesus Christ. And it's hard to explain. Look, since you have become dull of hearing, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. He's saying to the recipients of this letter, 
you ought to have been way ahead of where you are right now in your race. You should have been much farther. Either laziness, something has kept you from being farther. You should have been teachers already with all that you've received, all that's been given to you by the Lord, all the knowledge that you've been given as well. You should have been teaching people by this point, but you're not there. And he uses that word ought, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. That ought, that word ought, involves like moral principles. Like when someone says, you should do this, or you shouldn't do this. That word should involves, this is bad that you have not done this, or it's bad that you are doing this, when they said you should not do that. He says, you ought to have been there already. But you now need someone to teach you the basic principles all over again. You now need someone to come along you and push you up farther to where you should have been all along. You are behind. <clears throat> so we get the first clue about how to do this, about how to finish strong in our section that we looked at a second ago because we fall behind for different reasons. Sometimes we fall behind even from things that aren't even our fault. They're not sinful. They're not laziness. Sometimes certain things are just thrust upon you in life. It's like a punch in the gut. And it just happens. Some things have happened to you this year. They were thrust upon you. And it has left you further behind than you want to be even. You just are having a hard time getting back up from that blow that's been dealt to you, which we'll talk more about later. But the first point I want to talk about, number one, is to keep your eyes on the finish line. Number one, keep your eyes on the finish line. That's how we're going to finish strong in the Christian life. You've got to keep your eyes on the finish line. Chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 of Hebrews, like I just read a second ago, he says, let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. And then he says this, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So that's one thing that he says. He says that to us. He says, Look to Jesus. That's how you're going to run this race. You're going to look to the finish line. Jesus is there. I want to go back to what I said earlier about when we lose our rhythm, when we lose our stride, sometimes a death, an illness, loss of a job, a rebellious child, some upheaval to the circumstances of your life get thrust upon you. These can also create a massive speed bump in your race. This is also for you too. You also need to look to Jesus, like he says in chapter 12, verse 2. You know, he said this earlier in Hebrews 3.1. He said, consider Jesus. He's telling them throughout the whole book, keep your eyes focused on Jesus. When you've stumbled, when you've fallen behind, when you've slowed to a crawl even... I've been there. You have to look to the finish line to assess the choices you have to make in order to finish. Because think about that girl who fell. Her name was Heather, by the way, in that 600-meter race. When she fell, she had to think about, this is how much longer I've gotten the race. That's the finish line right over there. I need to assess now what I need to do 
If I'm going to even catch up to them, maybe even pass them, I have to look to where I've got to go to now make the choices that I need to make to finish strong. She had to look to the finish line. And for us, the finish line is the Lord. He's at the finish line. Listen to Psalm 27.4. This is David speaking. One of my favorite portions of the Psalms because I love to think about heaven of just looking, gazing upon the Lord. as one of the songs that Seth even chose this morning, talked about looking at the Lord. This is what David says. I love this. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after. Tell us, David, what's this one thing that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life? Why, David? Why do you want to do that? To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. He says, there's one thing I want. It's one thing. I want to be in the temple of God so that I can look at him. I just want to look at him. I just want to gaze upon his beauty. And that will be heaven for all of us, looking at the face of the Lord. Can you think about anything better than God? Can you actually think about anything better than God and looking at his face? If we were to see his face right now, it would consume us because we're still in our flesh. But as we're told in the scriptures, when Jesus comes back, that our vile, our vile body shall be transformed into the likeness of his glorious body, and so shall we ever be with who? The Lord, gazing upon his beauty. It will never ever be boring because how could it be how could it be so keep your eyes on Jesus look to him who's at the finish line of your life but who was also at the beginning of your life wasn't he he was at the beginning of your spiritual life he started your spiritual life didn't he Jesus said you must be born again that means born of the spirit Jesus is the one who causes you to be born Again, he's at the beginning of your spiritual life, and he's also at the end of your spiritual life. Because guess what? In a race, the start line is also the finish line, right? Where you start is where you finish in a race. That's why Jesus is called the author and perfecter of our faith. He starts it, and he completes it, just like in a race. Isn't that cool? He started your faith. He's the author of it. He finishes it as well because it's by his power that he started it and it's by his power that you finish it. You're not ever told in scripture, try to get to the end of your own strength. Hope it works out good for you. I'll see you in heaven. Bye. You're good with this, right? You got this? Okay, bye. I'm, I'm done with you now. No, 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 no. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So he runs all the way alongside us, giving us the power that we need. But we have to look to him to get it. We have to look to him to get that. So to start with, look to the one whom you're following in the first place. That's what the word Christian means, Christ follower the one who's at the finish line, the one who's your great reward. So keep your eyes fixed on him. That's number one. Keep your eyes pointed towards the finish line, and that's Jesus. That's number one. That's for us. 
Which brings us then to number two. Number two is practice the right running techniques. Okay, number one, keep your eyes on the finish line. Number two, practice the right running techniques. What are those? Well, let's talk about that. So look at Hebrews 12, 12. It's in that section that we were in just a second ago. Think of the author of Hebrews here as your coach from the sideline. You can only catch it just in a glimpse. It was kind of a blur in our video, but you could see a coach from the sideline when she was way behind trying to catch up. You could see someone pointing and yelling. So think of the author of Hebrews as your coach on the sidelines. He's watching you run. He can see your deficiencies better than you can. People outside of us can always see our deficiencies way better than we can. That's why it's so easy for us to look at other people's life and say, she struggles with pride. She's a gossip. She's a busybody. And uh, this, and she's bad with her finances. It's easy for us to do that, right? Or he. Oh, he's proud. Oh, he's jealous. Oh, he's lazy. It's easy for us to see that in other people. It's a bit harder for us to spot those things in ourselves. That's why marriage is so sanctifying. Marriage has been so sanctifying for me. Oh, I thought I was so selfless until I had a wife that said, why are you, why are you saying that? Why are you doing that? Why, why, why? What do you mean, why? I'm totally selfless. I'm, I meant to say selfish. Forgive me. <laughs> Children will do that for you too. <clears throat> so this coach can see our deficiencies better than we can. In our case, this is the Holy Spirit. This is a Holy Spirit-inspired text. Yes, the author of Hebrews was writing to a specific people at a specific time about specific things. But guess what? These principles in here, these are Holy Spirit-inspired principles which created eternal scripture which speak to us all throughout all eternity. And so... The author of Hebrews here is, is, is speaking through the Lord himself, speaking to us from the sideline, where the text says, you might have recalled from Hebrews 12, 12, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees. It's as if the coach is yelling at us saying, get back into your rhythm, get back into your stride, focus on your breathing. The coach is pointing saying, you need to do this, you need to do that, good, go, get it. And that's what the author of Hebrews is doing when he says, lift those drooping hands, strengthen those weak needs, because these are, these are really references back to something he's already said. We kind of jumped towards the end of the book with my text today, but he's already, this is, every text exists in a context. And so he's really referencing back to something that he's already mentioned in chapter two. In chapter two, he said, therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. We must pay closer attention to what we've heard lest we drift away from it. See, the coach is telling us we must give attention to what we need in order to finish the race well and win. What was that? Pay close attention to what we've heard. What have we heard? The truth, the gospel, the words of Jesus Christ, the scriptures. That's what he was referring to. Pay closer attention to what you've heard lest you drift away from it. You know what that means? If we don't pay closer attention to what we've heard, we will drift away from what I've told you before. We are leaky buckets. We 
As humans in general, but as Christians, we're leaky buckets. We have to constantly be putting the living water back into ourselves because we just leak it out. We just do. We have to live on fresh bread and fresh grace today, not on yesterday's crumbs. The coach is telling us we must give attention to what we need in order to finish. That's why he says in chapter 2, verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect such great a salvation? How shall we escape if we neglect such great a salvation? Neglecting your salvation, the neglecting of what's, it's the neglecting of what's needed to function in your saved life. When he says neglecting your salvation, he doesn't mean the day you got saved. He means your walk in salvation. That's what he means. Saved individuals have to run as saved runners. Listen to what I said. Saved individuals have to run as saved runners. You can't take on the practices of the unsaved. Just like athletes can't take on the practices of couch potatoes. They're not going to be good athletes, are they? If they look at non-athletes and say, well, he sits around and watches TV all day and drinks Coke, and that, that's, that seems fun. I think I want to do that. But still, on the day of the Olympics, I still want the gold medal, though. And he gets there, and he's like, why didn't I get the gold medal? Well, because you were practicing the practices of a non-runner. That's why saved people can't live like unsaved people and then be like, why am I not closer to Jesus? Why do I keep falling down? Saved runners have to run as saved runners. Saved individuals have to run as saved runners. Your oxygen in the Christian life is the word of God. If you've run before, especially when you start to run again and you're out of shape, you know you're huffing like a locomotive, right? Why? Because your body is requiring more oxygen than it normally does. And so your breathing is so important. So don't drift away from the word of God. Get back into your rhythm and focus on your breathing. You can't just wing it. I'm telling you right now, the enemy wants you to think that you can just wing it. I'll just wing it. I'm sure everything will be fine. I can live on yesterday's grace. I can live on yesterday's bread. Not for long. Not for long. I can also go without a meal for a day. But how am I going to be doing the next day? Not so well. You can't just wing it. You can't just coast. You can't just say, it'll probably work out fine even if I do what others do who aren't even racers. I can just live like they do. And everything will probably be fine. I'll probably still win the race. Just like a runner has to focus on getting enough oxygen to fuel his body. So the Christian has to focus on what gives him and his spiritual muscles what they need to perform at their best. Right? So feeding your spiritual muscles with what they need and running in the rhythm of what this book says, that's how we finish strong. And those who have the proper running techniques, the word of God, walking according to it, we'll get to the end. So we can't neglect the source of our life, the Bible, 
and think we're going to finish strong. So, number one, we have to focus on Jesus. He's at the finish line. He's our great goal. We're running towards him. We want him. We know when I get to the end, I'm going to get to behold him. He's at the end of my life, and I want to please him, and I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, and be with him forever. How am I going to get there? <clears throat> I need the word of God. Even Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, and I need it daily. It gives me the source of strength that I need. It gives me exactly how to run, where to run, what to do, how to live. Okay, I have that. Praise God for that. Let me go on a side note for a second, though. Because sometimes you are tempted to, to think one of two things about the Word of God. I promise you. You are tempted to think either one of two things about the Word of God. That the Bible is only burdensome and full of heavy commands... That's one temptation that you're tempted to think about it when you think about going to it. No, it's burdensome, and it's only full of heavy commands that I don't like. He's just trying to take my fun away. Number two, that the Bible isn't necessary for daily consumption. You'll be tempted to think that, too. I don't need it every day. I don't need it every day. You are tempted to think that. I'm tempted to think that. Even as a pastor, sometimes I'm tempted to think that. I'm too busy for that. I'm going to get to it later, though. You may have heard this. It's not in the Bible, but I think it's a good principle. Um, There's a saying, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. You ever heard that saying? If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. You know why? Because the outcomes are almost the same. The outcomes of those two lives are almost the same. Because neither one of them are focusing on the Lord. Busyness and no plan I'm telling you right now, if you don't have a plan for these things, the devil will be sure to it that it does not happen. I guarantee it. You know why I know that so well? Because I've been there. I've been duped by him to think, oh, it'll probably be okay. Yeah, surely later in. Yes. No. No. Take it from a fool who's learned the hard way. And don't do it. I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to help you here. I'm trying to help you here. As one who's on your level with you, please learn from my mistakes. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> number one, we have to look to Jesus, keeping our eyes on the goal, keeping him in sight. Number two, we have to practice proper running techniques, doing what's necessary to run the race well, to finish strong, consuming our life source. The word of God, which gives us also that rhythm at which we should run. And the author of Hebrews is our coach, reminding us of these things from the sideline. And now lastly, number three, find a good running partner. Find a good running partner. We have to be there with each other and for each other. Yes, in the first video that I showed... The woman was, she was running alone. She was running her own race, right? But the Christian life, we weren't meant to be lone rangers. We weren't meant to be lone rangers. The author of Hebrews says, also, do not neglect the gathering together of yourselves. We need each other. This is important for us. This is important for us. This is good for us to be together, exhorting one another, encouraging one another. We all have different gifts. We're all part of a body and we're meant to function together to glorify the head. 
Hebrews 3.13. Listen to this, Hebrews 3.13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Exhort one another. We're supposed to help each other so that the deceitfulness of sin won't creep in and get us. See, sin is deceitful. And like I've asked you in the past, do deceived people know they're deceived? They don't. That's the definition of being deceived. You don't know that you're deceived. Your brother and sister in Christ can sometimes see things a bit better than you can and helps you. We exhort one another. We help one another. Also in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together. There it is. As is the habit of some. It's been the habit of some apparently for 2,000 years. (laughs) But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So sometimes in a race, we have to encourage one another too. We have to help one another. We have to help one another because sometimes you're going to fall down and what you're going to find out is I can't actually get back up on my own. Watch this next video. This one needs no commentary from me. Watch this one. This is just class right here by both of them. Another fall. We just all want her to just get there. She's given everything she possibly has to get to this finish line. She is literally, from where we sit, we can see she's less than 50 yards from the finish. Sold a phenomenal athlete and triathlete, great runner. She's Uh, just willing herself there. uh, And this this is our winner, ladies and gentlemen. This is not normally what you expect to see at the finish of a marathon. But Chandler Self has run herself to complete exhaustion and she is so brave. This is incredible. And she's running fast. Remember, she's 30 minutes ahead, or slower than what the time is because she started earlier. She is still gonna run the marathon in under two hours and 54 minutes. Tremendous, tremendous effort for Chandler Self today. Oh my God. It, almost makes, me, it makes me tear up when I watch that, actually. <laughs> Did you notice how one runner was obviously stronger than the other runner? Did you see that? There'll be times when you're the stronger one, and there'll be times when you're the weaker one. We need a good running partner. What I mean by that is we need to encourage and help one another. We have to have that. When you think that you don't, when you think, no, I can be a Lone Ranger Christian, let me know how that works out for you. I'll find you when you've got your face in the mud. That's when I'll find you. Because you weren't meant to exist like that. You were not meant to exist like that. Let me say it a third time. You were not meant to exist like that as a Christian. You are a part of a body that functions together. You have to function that way because there's going to be times when you're the one or when you're the other. And listen, let me encourage you with this. If you can't find a good running partner, then be a good running partner, okay? If you can't find one, be one. Because sometimes you can't find one. And you have to be that one then. Instead of saying, what about me? Where's mine's at? Go get it. Go do it for someone else. Right? Because sometimes you won't find one. I'm telling you, sometimes you won't. I, I, I can remember early on in the Christian life wanting there to be like an older gentleman who's more godly than me 
to come alongside me. When I had that for a season and then it was gone from me, I can remember thinking, I want that person again. Where, where is he? I want that person to come alongside me and teach me and mentor me. And he wasn't there. But God helped me. God made me a part of a body that was so encouraging. And now God's helped me to do that in some small ways. And I guess this is one of those ways, actually me being a pastor of a church, I guess I'm sort of that guy now in some of those ways. But still, um, be that person if you can't find that person. So number one, keep your eyes on the finish line, Jesus Christ. Number two, practice the right running techniques, the word and also uh, walking according to what it says. And then number three, find a good running partner, encourage and help one another. Let me end with this warning then. These are all good things that are going to help you finish strong um, your Christian life. And finish the year strong too, right? But let me read this as a warning though. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2. Look at this with me. Now I would remind you brothers of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you're being saved, if... If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Those people that walk off the race course show they never actually believed in the first place. It's possible to believe in vain. It's possible to say, ooh, heaven? Ooh, no pain? Oh, eternal joy? I want some of that. But you are in fact the seed thrown on the soils of either the rocky ground, which Jesus said about the sun when it came out and burned up the root. He said, this stands for those who, through times of testing, fall away. Or you prove yourself to be the seed that fell on thorny ground, which Jesus says, this stands for those who hear the word, but the worries and cares and riches of this life grow up with the word and choke it out, and their seed never ripens, he says. So let me just warn you that we show, we show that we're in the race by finishing the race, no matter what. We don't get halfway through and we say, forget this Jesus business. I'm out of here. Wasn't really that committed anyway. See, for those of us who know him, we don't want to take our eyes off of him. We look at the end and we say, no, what else would I want? That's why Peter said to Jesus when Jesus said, will you leave like the rest of them? What did Jesus say? Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Father, thank you so much that you indeed do have the words of eternal life. So I pray that you would encourage us today by these words of eternal life. Help us to finish strong in this race that you have us in, Lord. And we're so grateful that not only are you at the end, you are a great prize, but Lord, you're with us and you're helping us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to see you in one another as well, Lord, as we walk alongside one another and help one another. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this year. Give us grace to walk into the next year, glorifying and praising you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen.